dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in god's country crops far as i can see headlights on both ends of my day this country Welcome, folks, to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Associate Editor Jennifer M. Latsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, always, Associate Editor Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hey, Jenny. Happy Labor Day week, Kayleen. Isn't it fun having a four-day work week when you work in the news business? Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. For those of you out there, that was sarcasm. Because everything's fine. Remain calm. (laughs) Everything's fine. That just means that when we have a a three-day weekend, we have one day less to put out of paper. And so it gets awful fun when the the deadlines bunch up on top of each other, don't they? Yeah. And all the USDA reports don't come out until the day after. And they're slow getting out. Or they don't come out at all. (laughs) Because they're enjoying their three-day weekend. So, um, hey... I was watching Ag Twitter, as I always do, kind of a lurker in the background because, well, that's what we do. And uh, I noticed a very odd trend on Ag Twitter this Labor Day weekend. Now, normally, we'll post up something on a holiday weekend, a, a meme, a shareable graphic of some sort, pretty picture, pretty words about, hey, thank the American farmer, or, hey, you know, while you're grilling, there's people out there working, et cetera, et cetera. Um, these are supposed to be patriotic, kind of feel-good memes. They're not supposed to be controversial. <laughs> I don't know how you could see that these are controversial. However... I take it somebody took them as controversial? Not just somebody. A vast swath of ag Twitter found some sort of form of, of offense at the, the shareable graphics that were posted by the American Farm Bureau Federation, um, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, a few other organizations. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of pausing for that. I think Twitter's where people go to be hateful. Well, yeah, <laughs> but here's what I, here's the thing that has me kind of paused. It wasn't eight, ten years ago that we were all about the rallying cry was you know we need to thank farmers we need to go and share our stories we need to stand up for ourselves down with yellowtail wine up with farming i mean you know it used to here's the thing it used to be the whole um poor pitiful farmers we never get any credit you need to stand up for us blah 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 then you have the organizations that actively are, hey, thank the American farmer. Now it's, I do this job not for your thanks. I do this job for a paycheck, which I can't get right now because of X, Y, and Z policy problems. Kayleen, do you want to be thanked? You're a farmer. Do you, do you want to be thanked? <laughs> What's the polite thing for Pete to do now? <laughs> well, I think it, I think it gets overused a little bit. I mean, every holiday doesn't require us to be thanked. I mean, 
we like you said we choose to do this job we choose to live this lifestyle and I just feel like that I don't need anybody telling me what to do or defining me as a certain person or job or whatever it is it just sometimes it gets aggravating I, I can see both sides I can see why somebody would want to thank a farmer want to thank somebody for providing them a meal um I don't know it just it gets old after a while seeing the same stuff over and over again I mean, honestly, these are meant to be just a very feel-good, hey, we're recognizing the holiday. We have a real pretty picture of an agricultural scene of yeah. some sort. I don't think they were ever meant to be offensive. No, I think people are just too easily offended and have to find something to complain about. <laughs> well, there is that. I will say there there is that whole um, that whole aspect of, of the twitter verse that everybody's got to find something to to complain about yeah but i also kind of get it too um you know we we spent so much time trying to trying to thank people and i don't care if it's farmers i don't care if it's first first responders um or teachers or or this that and the other there were a lot of people that brought it up there um on twitter that why aren't we thanking the first responders? Why aren't we thanking the teachers? Why aren't we, you know, there's a lot of other people out there that deserve thanks for what we're doing. You know what? Here, here, how about this new Blatsky's rule of etiquette rule? How about we just thank people when they do a service for us, no matter who they are? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's how I was raised. Yeah. Somebody opens a door for you. I don't, I don't see that it's opening a door for a woman. I see it as, hey, you got to the door before me. Thanks for that, buddy. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've noticed at school the kids have been holding the doors open for each other in the mornings, and I've been trying to get my own children to do that, and they don't quite understand it yet, so I'm going to have to do a little schooling on them. <laughs> hey, I saw a school teacher who had shared that in his or her um, kindergarten or first grade class, it was one of those younger, younger classes, he gives them a secret mission for the week. And it's something like hold the door open for your friends or ask somebody how their day is. And if the other teachers in the building catch those kids doing that, they tell that teacher and then he does something nice for the whole class. So it's, there's a reward if you do something good. Yeah. And then eventually they get it that, hey, it kind of feels good to do good. That's pretty cool. I think I thought that was a really great idea. I I just remember my dad was very much adamant that my brother learn how to be a gentleman. And my mom and my grandma always emphasized how to be a little lady. <laughs> <laughs> but um I I still hold open the door for other people. I don't care yeah, if they're male too. or female. It's the right thing to do. You yeah. reach the door first. That's the that's the decent and kind thing to do. And I get a little disgruntled when people don't hold the door open and they're just rude. Right? Because you, you look at them differently. Yeah, it doesn't cost anything to be nice. And this is coming from the meanest person on the planet. Well, the second meanest. I mean... <laughs> I wanted to be mean in the parking lot this morning at school, but I... I refrained. See, but there's there's etiquette. There's rules of etiquette of how we live in a polite society. You thank people that do good things for you. You don't hold up a line if you can't help it. You apologize when you do have to hold up a line yes. for something or other. This chick was not apologizing for anybody. She wanted to watch her special little snowflakes walk into school and hold everybody else up. But 
7.45 this morning. Uh, we never know what's going on in everybody's worlds. I really didn't care what was going on in her <laughs> world this morning. She could have parked like everybody else and got out of the way instead of using the line between the parking spaces as her drop-off line. Yeah, see, folks, if I can give you one word of advice, do not mess with Kayleen at 7.45 in the morning. I've learned this over the many years. You just kind of wander in and, she, you know, you say hi, and she maybe kind of grunts hi a little bit. And then once she's had her, her Mountain Dew, everything's okay. It's the all clear. <laughs> I shouldn't just be around people today, I believe. Nah, that's okay. That's okay. Hey, um, so we got to ask you listeners, what do you think? Uh, let us know. Should we single out and thank farmers for their labor on Labor Day and other holidays? Um, email us at hpjtalk at hpj.com. So I worked around on projects around the house this weekend because I had a little bit of time. I mowed. I saw that you mowed too. Yeah, I had to practically beg my husband to bring the mower home because it was down, at, down south at the at the farm. Are we talking mower or brush hog? <sighs> well, it's a big hustler mower, so I mean, it's got a sixty-inch deck. It can, it's a big mower. <laughs> did you did you run over some toys too? <laughs> toys and trash, and I put an end to my pitchfork that I had. Didn't see it in the ten-foot-tall weeds that we got going on. <gasps> Oh, no. Luckily, it just caught the top where the metal hooked around the wood, okay. you know, on the end where the pitchfork meets the handle. That's Jeez, where I got. Oh. So I didn't destroy anything, I don't think. <laughs> so maybe next time the boys start walking the weeds before we mow. <laughs> maybe or we not let the weeds get as tall as me. Yeah, there's that possibility, too. Hey, I did a lot of um, clipping of weeds and that sort of thing. And on the north side of my house, I live in town. I have no excuse for this other than the fella promised he would help me out. And he got busy this summer and we still haven't attended <laughs> to this one little project of mine. Somehow some wild sunflowers started growing on my side of the house or on my side of the fence line, right? <laughs> And they're trying to sell the house to the north of me. They're very, it's a, in fact, it's a great house. If you're looking, please, you know, let us know and I will hook you up with the people that have the house. It's a great, great little place to live. Anyway, they're trying to sell the house. So I'm trying to knock down the weeds so I have a good Did chance of getting a nice getting note a good on neighbor. the door. No, I didn't get a note on the door or anything. I'm just trying to be a decent neighbor and not, you know, I, I want it, I want that house to sell to nice people. So I'm so, totally self-serving. I go to hack down this sunflower plant. I had to bring out the clippers, <laughs> the edge clippers, because that that stalk on that wild sunflower had to have been about two and a half inches, three inches around. Yeah. I was like, holy crow, that's a tree. There was a wild one growing in my flower bed right by the front door, and it was about that big around and... It was a good thing it was damp and wet right there because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to pull it out. I tried pulling it out. Oh yeah, that wasn't happening. That was there was that was not not yeah that wasn't going. Um, hey, it is. Uh, this was the first weekend of football for both of our teams. Oklahoma State did good. Yeah, they played Friday night, and I attempted to stay up and watch it, but I'm lasted till about halftime because they played in Oregon, so it, the, the game didn't start till nine thirty. <laughs> 
time change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and my cats did very well in their home opener. So did you get to watch the game? I did. I did. So for those of you outside of the Kansas and and um, Big Twelve, Big Twelve, uh, evidently ESPN ESPN Plus now has a contract with the Big Twelve for certain games to be only shown on their platform, which is a digital only platform. And you have to pay four ninety nine a month in order to catch the games. <laughs> I'm not pleased. It's just that time you can cut the cable now and go to get a streaming device. And yeah, do that. Know, I know, I know I need to cut the cable. And it would be great, but I still have to watch everything that's on my DVR before I cut the cable. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know there's a lot of on-demand things, and you can go back and watch all the stuff that you want to. So you have to see what you got saved on there, and then also chicken. Oh, I did it over a year ago, and it—I don't regret it. Look at you being an early adopter over me. I'm just so proud. Well, when you're spending 150 bucks on satellite television, yeah, it was getting kind of ridiculous, and now I spend that on internet and streaming and different things. So I don't spend all 150 dollars on television anymore. Oh. You know, I think it, um, looking at, at the budgets and stuff, that might just be something I go to. I don't know how many other folks out in, in rural America have that opportunity, though. Yeah. You better have a high-speed high internet because ours isn't high-speed all the time, and you can tell. Just one more reason why we need better internet access in rural America. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've got the start of the Kansas State Fair this Friday. The first weekend's always a hoot. You're going there Sunday for a pedal power pull. Yeah, the pedal tractor pull is on Sunday. Woohoo! And <laughs> my boys, I try not to let them know what we're doing so they don't annoy me all week long with it. So Spence <laughs> said something to him about that we're going to the pedal pull and. Chance was all about it at this county fair, so he hasn't really said much about it. He's even signed himself up at the county fair, so I I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> this will be good. This will be good. He went last year. They both went last year, so we'll go endure the crowd again. Well, I get uh, Friday. I'm heading over for the media preview and to get there early enough in the morning to drop off my fairy garden because she's going to the state fair. I know I'm a dork. I don't care. <laughs> Everything's still alive. <laughs> Everything's still alive. I'm pretty proud of myself. And uh, it's a succulent garden. You got to be really, really, really bad to kill succulents. Okay. This I mean, true. like you got to be bad. <laughs> so there's that. And then I'm staying the night in town and Saturday I get to go to the legislators day and cover all of that because I lost the coin toss with Kayleen. Actually, there was no coin toss with Kayleen. She wanted to go. No, she looked at me like, yeah, I'm not going. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're doing that. Okay, ending on a funny note. I shared this this week on Facebook. It's a thank you note that the Basin Fertilizer and Chemical Company, which is a firm out of the Oregon State, this company got a thank you note from a young 4-H'er because they bought this 4-H'er steer named Winston at the uh, county fair premium auction. Now, thank you notes like this are a routine thing. You know, we always write our thank you notes. But this one, Kayleen, this one was a little bit more unique. And I'm going to read it to you all here so you can have a, a chuckle as well. It says, Dear Basin Fertilizer, thank you for buying my steer Winston. 
He is a good boy. Take good care of him unless you decide to make him into food. Then make him into the best sloppy joes anyone has ever had. If not, <laughs> if not, I hope his crap will be useful in the making of your fertilizer. And the unnamed 4-H'er signed it with a smiley face. Kayleen, I am dying still. Yeah, I saw it and I read it to my husband and we both laughed pretty hard. And you know why I laughed so hard? Because I can picture your oldest writing this exact same note. <laughs> well, he wrote, well, I should say he signed about 25 thank you notes for his premiums and all this stuff that he got from the fair before he could get his premium checks. Yeah, I could see him doing that, but his handwriting is not very nice. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know... <laughs> Just chuckle because here is a kid who knows the multiple uses of the beef animal that he just raised. Yeah. Um, he's got his priorities in line. He understands that Winston could be sloppy Joe's <laughs> and he has made his peace with that. Um, you know, but if you're going to, if you're going to have him, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> Take good care of him. And <laughs> I hope his crap will be useful in making your product. <laughs> just die. <laughs> Yeah. So hey, and and it was um they covered up his name when they posted that on their Facebook page. So we don't know who this kid is, but wherever you are, little buddy, we salute you because <laughs> bravo, you you just made the entire agricultural world chuckle today. So yeah. If you've got a comment or a thought, we'd love to hear it. You can always drop us a line, hpjtalk at hpj.com and let us know, or you can call us here at the office. 1-800-452-7171. This week's episode, we're going to bring you the stories that you might have missed in the September 2nd print edition. We have an interview with one of the auctioneers at a recent contest here in Dodge City. And then, of course, Kayleen will bring us the latest on grain markets and we'll have some final thoughts. So I don't know about you, Kayleen, but not only do I have a hankering for state fair food now, but now I have a hankering for sloppy joes. <laughs> so folks, maybe turn on your Bluetooth speakers on in that kitchen as you fire up the stove and ride with us on HPJ Talk. This week's cover story is from contributor Lacey Newland. Times, they are a-changing for the stalker industry. She writes about how the stalker cattle industry is shifting to a small number of very large and vertically integrated or specialized feedlots, as well as the toehold small feeder operations still have in the industry. Inside, we have a recap of the fall field day at the Garden City Cade State Research and Extension Center from Kayleen. That's on page three. Over 100 years of research projects and data have come from the staff there. Critical weed control research, as well as hay and silage research for the emerging dairy industry in western Kansas, is also being conducted there. On our opinions and editorials page, page 6, managing editor Dave Bergmeier writes about an appreciation of labor. Seymour clearly writes about the retirement of Kansas Senator Pat Roberts and Texas Representative Mike Conaway both GOP Aggies who've worked on ag committees all their careers. And copy editor Jennifer Thewer brings us a book review of the Worm Farmer's Handbook, which outlines worm farming practices on a larger scale. 
On pages 9 to 11, we have updates from our All Aboard Wheat Harvest crews from the road, brought to us by John Deere, Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Unverfirth Manufacturing, and High Plains Journal. The harvest trail is wrapping up for our crews, and look for a special section in next week's print High Plains Journal, as well as you can catch up on all you've missed online at allaboardharvest.com. Leading the livestock section, managing editor Dave Bergmeier has a report on the dairy industry in western Kansas, which was on display at a Kansas Livestock Association Ranch Management Field Day earlier in August. And Jenny, it's your common ground column this week. Were you hurting after last weekend or something? We know we talked about this a little bit last week on the (laughs) podcast, and I figured there might be a few out there who, like me, may also have the same creaky joints and bad hearing that make a night out until 3 a.m. not as much fun as it used to be. (laughs) Haven't you gotten a little older? Yeah, and I don't like being hungover with kids around, so (laughs) we don't do that anymore. Well, let it be known, I never wrote the word, the term hungover in the column. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, folks, if you have a response to something you've read or heard, or there's a local topic that you want to bring to the attention of our readers and listeners, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. Or you can always call us at 1-800-452-7171. We want to hear from you. Charlie Cummings won the $10,000 grand prize in the King of the Ring Livestock Auctioneer Contest held at Winter Livestock August 3rd during Dodge City Days. Cummings is from Yates Center, Kansas and started auctioneering in 1995 while still in high school. In 2011, he was named the Livestock Marketing Association's World Livestock Auction Champion. Today, he's a respected auctioneer for Superior Livestock Auction. Just your thoughts, Charlie Cummings, on, on winning today. You know, it's going to take a little bit for my uh, thoughts to soak in. You always come to a competition like this with, uh, with the dream of winning and, and, and taking, taking home the trophy. But, uh, you know, it, it's really rewarding. But at, at the same time, it's more humbling than it is rewarding simply because of, of what this contest here today is made of and, and, and why it's made and, and what it means to be king of the ring. It's, it's uh, going to take a few days to soak in. What's the key to winning? Well, you, you know, you, you know what we're judged on and, and things of that sort, but you got to be able to communicate. That's something Roger Emick did so well. That's something he taught me. That's what I learned. Be able to communicate with the buyers, uh, communicate what you're selling, the product that you're selling, and maybe the most important is know the value of that product that you're selling. And when you uh, when you're out here, you, you're competing against a, you know five to ten other really exceptional guys. So how do you try to differentiate between it? To, to a layman, it looks it would be hard to separate them out, but you ultimately you're probably trying to isolate it, so you're just working for the buyers and, and the sellers, right? Yes, that's exactly right. I, I just try to sit down and do do our job, you know. And I think each every one of these contestants, you know, that's here today would, would believe the same way. They just sit down to do the job, but uh, you, when you sit down and do your job, you're always nervous because you're selling somebody's livelihood. You get extra nervous of this because you're competing against your colleagues. But with that being said, you know, um, I've got myself in a zone early and just stayed in it. Very good. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much. King of the Ring runner-up was Chuck Bradley of Montgomery, Alabama, who collected $4,000, while four other finalists from Oklahoma, Kansas, and Arkansas also received cash awards. 
trophy buckles and watches were also awarded to the winners. The King of the Ring auction was a dream of the late Roger Emig, mentor to Cummings and a host of other auctioneers across the state. Emig was the 1991 world champion and was revered in the industry. To read the full story, visit www.hbj.com. Your grain market prices from Dodd City's Pride Egg Resources on August 27th. Corn was down at $3.42. Wheat was up at $3.48. Milo was down at $2.87. And soybeans were down at $7.24. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters at our website, hpj.com slash sign up. Simply select the topics that interest you, and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. Next week's print issue of High Plains Journal is our corn issue with a story from our web editor, Shauna Rumbaugh. Be sure to watch for that in your mailboxes September 9th and look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com podcasts. You can also find us on places like iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. We're also on Instagram. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember... As Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. This has been a production of High Plains Journal, all rights reserved. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. Headlights on both ends of my day.